I'm Janine, and this is Outside the Box. Standing by to join me is Eve Rodsky, an expert facilitator and author of Fair Play, as well as the new book, Find Your Unicorn Space. Welcome to the show. Hi, Janine. It's good to see you again. I loved your first book, and then I got a hold of your second one, and I couldn't put it down. Well, I think, especially with book two, there, when I got to read your book, uh, there are so many intersecting, intersecting messages, I think, about what does it mean to think outside the box and creativity yeah. that it was pretty, it was pretty fun. And I definitely knew that I wanted to come back on. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I, I have my copy. Yay. <laughs> it actually matches your background. Perfect. I, I, I just put this up. Isn't this cool? I love it. I love it. You know, it's funny. I, I'm sure you've seen this so often and I'm going to post, but when I had scheduled this conversation with you, I went out and got my unicorn hat. So I'm going to post a couple of pictures. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Everything. Okay. I keep getting the most amazing unicorn paraphernalia. I love um, it. I get my, my new unicorn pen and I wore a unicorn hat yesterday, but it's actually really fun. This idea of reviving, uh, understanding that unicorns, the idea of play is not just for, tr- for children, that a creative life is a connected life throughout your life. Yes. And I think that's why the unicorn symbol is so fun because so many people say, well, it's silly or only my daughter believes in unicorns, but this idea that these mythical, magical experiences, they don't exist in many cases for adults, especially for women. Yes. Um, but that we can reclaim them. It made me think back to my childhood. I grew up in Manhattan and I spent a lot of time home alone. My mom was single and I was constantly creating and doing, and some of the things were mishaps. I mean, trying to <laughs> sew stuff and make stuff and, but I was always creating and I was finding peace and joy in that process. Well, it's funny. I didn't realize that we had that some in, in common, but I'm also a latchkey kid from Manhattan. I grew up uh, on Avenue C and 14th street with a single mother. And um, I actually think, you know, what's interesting, Janine, is that for me looking at uh, how people are parenting these days, uh, it seems to me that either kids are, are um, on screens mm-hmm. um, or they're living out the unfulfilled dreams of their parents. Um, yeah. I, I don't see a lot of that open space anymore for intrinsic motivation, similar to what I think us as latchkey kids just got because our parents were not as involved in our life. But what happens to creativity is something really interesting, the higher people, at least in America, in my interviews, the higher they reached on the socioeconomic scale, uh, the smaller their dreams became to sort of fit into these boxes of what extrinsic milestones mean, Mm -hmm. whether it's the 2.5 kids or the nicer house or the second vacation home or getting a nicer car. Uh, There are so many capitalist milestones that I think people forget to check in with themselves about what really truly makes them feel fulfilled. Definitely. What I love about your book is that you could actually teach these concepts to young kids and, and that becomes this lifelong journey of creativity. And I was telling you earlier how when my kids were younger, I was constantly doing different things, whether it was uh, I auditioned to be a puppeteer because I wanted to do <laughs> wow. voiceover. 
And then I didn't get it. And I was so bummed because it was the voice of this lamb character. And the reason I'm telling you this, because then they called me back and they said, you got it. The woman didn't want to do it. So just having those little pockets of fun, creative experiences meant a lot because motherhood was so challenging. Well, absolutely. And I think um, what we saw, so fair play was really understanding time poverty of women, right? Why is it that our time is predetermined for us based on assumptions about our gender in terms of housework and childcare? Um, And fair play was, was, was kicked off that, but really why it was incomplete was, was the idea of, well, all these whispers, Janine, you know, well, if I have more time, you know, I wouldn't even know how to fill it anymore. Um, so I was seeing a passion gap, especially for women, where it's exactly what you said. The top two words in this big longitudinal study that we've done over 10 years uh, for fair play now in 17 countries, well, uh, the, the, the top two words that are associated with home life, especially for women, are overwhelm and boredom. Mm. Yeah. And I think that that becomes a deadly, com- com- it becomes a deadly combination, mm-hmm. especially if you throw a pandemic in it, Yes, which adds 153% of unpaid labor to women's plate, because then the overwhelm becomes to the point of a breaking point of exhaustion, yeah. but you still have the problem of the boredom. And so it's, as you said, if you don't believe that you deserve a permission to be interested in your own life, then you were going to end up continuing the cycle of overwhelm and boredom. And it's just not a gift. I want to give to any uh, person in this country. We we deserve a a real opportunity to make the consistent space, the unicorn space to be consistently interested in our own lives. Yes. I, I got to this point where I didn't want to fold laundry and do the dishes when the kids went to sleep at night. I wanted to go to a screenwriting class, even if it was once a week. And then it's good for your kids to see and your spouse, your partner to see, Hey, she has something else going on. Absolutely. And what's funny is that because of the societal expectations, you may think that that's all you want. Mm -hmm. Right. Janine. I mean, in the beginning, the reason why I ended up with what we talked about in our first episode together, my blueberries break down over my husband, Seth, you know, assuming that I was the fulfiller of his smoothie needs. Um, Right. That, that, that came because, you know, it, it, it was societally, I didn't understand that, um, that these were pressures that were being put on me. I thought that I was making these active choices. Mm-hmm. I kept saying, well, I chose to leave the workforce. Um, I chose to want to um, scale back my career. But, but the truth is that I've been hearing messages that I should be doing those things um, since I was born, that my time is less valuable than my partner's time. And so a lot of my work is this idea of being able to cure time poverty for women, um, to, to, to cure this exhaustion gap by, by a combination of, you know, making society better for women, but also for us as individually to be able to take agency in our own life. And Mm -hmm. ironically, one of the best things you can do, if you care about, what's happening with repro rights or what your care, what's happening in this country is to reclaim your permission to be unavailable from your roles. Yes. Because when women become more than just parents and partners and or professionals by professional, I mean, anybody who works for pay or Mm -hmm. who works unpaid in the home, when we have permission to be unavailable from our roles, 
something happens. It becomes a very important subversive thing and it snowballs. Like you did your one day a week puppeteering class and then you may have done your lamb voiceover and then you have a radio show and then you wrote a book. Now you're working with to educate kids about how they should be interested in their own creative life. Like Janine has not stopped because it becomes a snowball that if you don't give into this passion gap, um, if you allow yourself to be unavailable, this permission to be unavailable from your roles, you don't know where life's going to take you, but it will take you to interesting places. Absolutely. I actually wrote that book at the library. So talk about being unavailable. And Recently, actually, the past year, I started going to therapy because it was just so much that went on Absolutely. as a mom and past trauma growing up in Manhattan. And the best thing I ever did, and my therapist taught me two really important things. Well, she's taught me a lot, but mm. the word boundaries. And then what percentage of my day do I give to myself? I love that. Oh, it's made such a huge difference. And can I just say something about why? I'll, I'll elevate that question just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like to ask instead, but it's exactly adjacent. Um, when was the last time the most important thing you did that day was outside of your roles? Yeah. Because giving to ourselves um, can often become uh, a walk around the block or, um, you know, reading a book or having a drink with a friend. Um, or getting a manicure, commodified wellness. Not that those things are not important, but that's just part of our humanity. Like you deserve to eat yes. or to take a piss without your child sitting there. You deserve yes. um, to be able to read. You deserve a chance to have a friendship. Like mm-hmm. those should be givens. Yes. But I think because we don't give to ourselves for so often, we fill our activities with those things. When a, a therapist will say, give time to yourself. So what I like to ask, is that we elevate it to say, yes, you need friendship time. Yes, you need a chance to get your hair cut. But also what you need are you need consistent experiences in your life that I like to say um, what a unicorn space really is and why it's different than self-care, Janine, is that it has three things. It has an I wonder statement. I wonder what it would be like to, to make a voice that sounds like a lamb but make it attractive to children as a puppet. Yes. So you have, you have a wonder, whatever that wonder is, no matter how uh, outrageous you think it may be, I wonder what it would be like to do trapeze in the circus. I mean, I have had the most amazing stories in collecting them for unicorn space uh, and it's all genders. Mm-hmm. And so there's a curiosity component. There's a connection component where you love the thing so much or the thing you're doing scares you so much. You're willing to share it with the world. That's the connection because creativity is a connected life. And I know you've talked about that before. Curiosity, connection, and then completion. So those are your three C's of creativity. That's it. Three C's. Okay. Curiosity, connection, and completion. Okay. And those are, we talked, we started this on a, uh, you know, on a thread based on the question of spending your time, your day and yourself. And I will say that adding in unicorn space experiences, when you think about what you do for yourself. Um, becomes a really additive part of mental health and, and longevity for, especially for people who have um, toxic stress in their lives. And often that's women. Yeah. I, I started focusing on creativity and my love of learning when I took Dr. Lori Santos's online oh, yes. class with Yale, Yes, right. The science of happiness. 
during the pandemic, I took it. I would take walks and I would be listening and interacting with the content. And what you're saying- She's in the book. She's in unicorn space. So thank you, Professor Santos. Oh. uh, She's there. She's the one who says, make your leisure time nutritious. Yes. Which I think is a really beautiful way of what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah. I'm so, yes, she's, she's absolutely amazing. It, when you talk about those three C's, those are so important just to be open, to have a love of learning, to be curious. It's the best. And you know what? It's funny because Janine, I actually thought most people would get hung up on that because I did see a passion gap. There was an interesting thing happen in fourth grade. If, if, if people, if caregivers were not, and they were, and they were parents, if they were not focused on themselves uh, for 10 years, I guess that's what fourth grade is. I would see this big, deep passion gap where people were saying they weren't curious anymore. Mm. I also saw it for 18 to 31 year old women uh, who are extremely burnt out in the workplace who say that they don't have any boundaries because a lot of times they complain, well, parents can, can say they have to put their kid to bed, but nobody is caring about my, my downtime. So regardless of your family structure, this idea about being curious is really about that first step of being interested in your own life. And how often do you get to say, and I ask that outside of your roles, I wonder. Yeah. And you get to follow up on that. Um, One woman said to me, Eve, you know, the only thing I'm curious about these days is scrolling my friend's Venmo transactions. (laughs) And I didn't even know this is a couple of years ago. I didn't know you could do that. So I was like, Jesus, my friends eat a lot of sushi and they, (laughs) they walk their dog, they walk their dogs a lot, or they get a lot of dog walkers. So it was very fascinating. That's not the curiosity we're talking about here. Right. We're talking about intrinsic values-based curiosity, something that comes from your heart that comes from, that connects you to your values, whether it's creativity, whether it's um, humor, whether it's fun, whatever those values are that you hold, whether it's gathering people, curiosity is around that. Yes. Did you do anything uh, new and different during the pandemic? Learn anything new? What did you do? Well, as I was writing Unicorn Space, what I realized was that my job had started out as my unicorn space because I was super curious about what was happening to women. Even back in 2011, when I felt that they, um, all of the people around me were saying that they were completely overwhelmed and bored. Um, And so the writing of Fair Play was an amazing unicorn space experience of curiosity, connecting with women like you and completing a book, even though it was, as I, I like to say, completion is very different than perfection, getting it out there, meeting your moment often requires letting go. And I'm really glad that Fair Play came out when it did, which was in uh, the September of 2019. Yeah. Because I was out there saying we're one crisis away from women leaving leaving labor force participation rates in drove. I thought the crisis was the overwhelming boredom of the toxic stress on an individual level. I had no idea, obviously, that a global pandemic was coming, but I did know the effects of this overwork uh, on women, because I was seeing it all the time individually. So fair play wouldn't have come out right. in September of 2019. If I didn't let it go, if I didn't honor completion being different than perfection, but on top of it, because it's become my work and activism can burn you out. It's not pure unicorn space anymore. So I start to dance again, yeah. oh. uh, which has been really fun for me. It started as some TikTok dances. My cousin and I just, you know, we, we play with choreography together. 
Um, I haven't shared it with the world broader than my community yet, but um, eventually we'll end up on, on, on TikTok or somewhere fun. I need some dancers on the summer series. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> we can do a creativity workshop while learning. Some okay. Routines. Okay. No, that's great. And I, I really, when I took a look at your book, I thought this is perfect timing because we're in a mental health pandemic. We were in a mental health crisis before the pandemic and here we are. And this gives people a wonderful diversion and a way to grow. No matter well, what absolutely it. growth. Exactly. Yeah. I think, I think a lot about growth and what that means, because when you think about this idea of um, not questioning the societal messages that we're given, it's hard to grow because then what ends up happening is you become a maze um, or a path like Robert Frost, where you take the path uh, taken, <laughs> not the not taken path, the taken path, because as we said earlier, you're, you're sort of stuck in this in this um, cycle of wanting more, mm-hmm. um, of saying, oh, I need to be thinner. I need to uh, have more things. I need to buy a new wardrobe for the summer. And so what I like to say, there's these fair play has a card game. I love gamifying things. Unicorn space. We're, we're prototyping a card game. Oh, good. Which is this creativity cards, this idea that you can try on cards and not clothes. And that's really what I'm hoping to teach young girls, but also their mothers and their, their parents is that instead of trying on clothes, Try on cards, meaning why not try on circus? I'm just looking at some of the cards now. Why not try on outdoors? Is it kind of with this guy? Yes. Why not try out design? I love this. Just, just, just try on, try on something. Yes. Uh, And, and that way, and this is another gender thing I saw, which was interesting. Men were more likely to say to me things like I like to write or I like to design. Whereas women were more likely to say to me, um, and I just got to see this really recently in the data, I'm not a designer. I'm not an artist. So women were going straight to the verb to the noun, whereas men were more likely to play in the verb. And so verbify your life. It's okay to be a person who does art. It's okay to be a person who hikes. You don't have to be a hiker. You don't have to be an artist. I think it, it takes down the pressure a little bit. Definitely. Yes. Well, I love the idea of trying new things, especially now. I mean, I didn't share this with you, but during the pandemic, I thought, I want to learn to ride one of those three-wheeled motorcycles <laughs> called the Can-Am Riker. It's this ridiculously fast thing. So I went to the local college. I signed up. Uh, they told us a story about somebody totaled one because it was they didn't know what they were doing. It drove into a curb. And I'm like, oh, gosh, oh, I want that be me. <laughs> So after that one class and not having a phone on me and just disconnecting and enjoying myself, I signed up for the two-day motorcycle class. And there, it's that thin line between challenging and a little intimidating, but exhilarating. Absolutely. Th- those kind of experiences really fill me up. Did you do it? I did it. Okay. So tell me, how did you feel after? Completely accomplished. Like yeah. I earned a, a degree. I mean, it was... It was really amazing. And it was not an easy test. The, the written test was really hard. 
Um, and then if you pass the actual motorcycle test, you don't have to do it at the DMV. And it's easier because the instructors know you and they're coaching you, but it's two days and it was, you know, a lot of hours, but I, I was so proud. Well, you know, why I love that so much. I just got chills because um, what you're reporting is what so many people since reading the book have reported back. And I think if you don't still have a sense of what your unicorn space is, what I'd like you to do is take a beat from what Janine just said, listeners, and understand that um, here's the feeling that comes with it. The feeling that comes with a unicorn space cycle of curiosity, connection, and completion is I can't believe I just did that. Yeah. And so I want us all to reflect on whether it's in a journal or on a post-it, think about the last time you had a Janine's motorcycle experience. And I can't believe I just did that. That's what I want. And that gets back to what Lori Santos was saying about making your leisure time nutritious. Yeah. Because in the research for unicorn space, what I found was this idea of eudaimonic well-being versus hedonic well-being. So a lot of us have gone into the pandemic or if we are parents to mommy juice, to edibles, to, for me, it was emotional eating. Um, We do things to cope and I'm not at all shaming us. We all need these things, but we do things that often when we're done with it, whether it's doom scrolling for an hour or eating the full coffee cake loaf, like I did did, (laughs) uh, last night. Um, it's, I can't believe I just did that. Instead, if you can replace that with, I can't believe I just did that similar to what Janine just said, she felt after completing the rigor because creativity is not always easy. That's the whole thing. Unicorn space is not a walk on the park. It's no. supposed to be hard, but it's also supposed to have, like you said, that exhilaration of, I can't believe I just did that. That's what I want people to replace. I'm hoping that hedonic pursuits, which ultimately numb us get replaced with these, I can't believe I just did that experiences, which instead of numbing us Mm -hmm. actually bring us more capacity and abundance to continue to to move on and to go on and to do more. Yes. Anything else you'd like people to know about the book? Well, what I'd like to know about the book, people to know about the book was just one last interesting finding about mental health, because I think it's really important, especially Janine, as you start working with kids more um, or this new iteration that I found something that was really helpful to me because I, I, like any other parent was saying to my children, I just want you to be happy guys. I just want you to be happy. Um, I don't care what you do in your lifetime. I just want you to be happy. But what I realize now is that that's really the wrong construction for how to look at mental health. Um, if we were happy all the time, we'd be sociopaths. Um, so what, what I found out in the unicorn space journey was that the true definition of mental health is not, I want you to be happy all the time. And even Lori Santos will say that it's, and my kids are like, I know mom, you want us to have the appropriate emotion at the appropriate time and the ability and strength to weather it. But that's what this is about. This is not a, how to be happy book. This is a recognition that things rain on people. There's a lot of rain uh, happening on pe- happening to people, but still, you deserve an umbrella. Yeah, you deserve an umbrella. And these unicorn space experiences, they become a reserve. They become part of your resilience. 
for when the overwhelm and mundane take over. And I'm going to add to that because somebody asked me to talk about what are the keys to success? You know, talk to high school students, college students. And I said, really keys to success, being able to fall down and get up on repeat. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have an umbrella, looking around and saying, you know what? I've got this and that. And if I put that together, I can make an umbrella. And that's Mm -hmm. what life is, right? Adapting, pivoting, being creative. Yeah. And why do people need it so much in times of disruption? We see that creativity becomes a really important lifeline during times of disruption. It's because uh, existentially we are meaning-seeking individuals. And part of this idea of, of being curious and connected to others and completing things it is in our, in our human, um, in, in our meaning seeking, it's how we seek meaning. And, and the more we do it, as we said, it becomes iterative. Yeah. Janine, you know, we grow with each other and that's exactly what we're talking about. Active pursuits are what are linked to growth and you'll see it. You'll see, you know, you'll know someone has unicorn space because you'll feel it when you're in their presence. Sure. I felt that way about you the first time I met you that I could throw you in any circus school design, you know, school, (laughs) and you'd figure out how to be curious and make something of it. And I think that's the beauty of what we're talking about here. Absolutely. Eve, I've loved every minute. This was great. Congratulations on your book. Find your unicorn space matches my wall. (laughs) I I love it. It looks so beautiful on your wall.